Own Your Creativity, Episode 2. And so if you've never wrestled an 11-foot alligator, I'm telling you, you haven't lived. (laughs) You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. Fry Taylor is an audio storyteller and online entrepreneur. His desire to live beyond the scope of a normal job has led him to create a daring life for himself and family. He currently operates Podcast Essentials, a company focused on launching podcasts with excellence, and is about to start a new podcast himself called Daring and Rye. Welcome, Rye, to the Own Your Creativity podcast. I'm so glad you could join us. Elizabeth, it's such a pleasure. I'm so excited about today. I love talking about creativity, and so I knew this would be a fun one. On your Skype description, it says, explore creativity, leverage passion, and change the world. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you chose those phrases and what that means? Most definitely. You know, I think the reality is that uh, creativity is underutilized, especially in the United States. Uh, But it's just the, 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 the thing is, is around the world, creativity is just not explored like it used to be. Um, I'm convinced that everyone is a creative when they're a kid. Uh, to some level or another, they explore it, they discover, they try things that are new. And only when they get older is that creativity squelched. So that's why I encourage people to explore creativity again. Leveraging passion is just exactly what it says. It's just leveraging those things that we're really interested in. Once we find and discover them as kids, it's going back to those roots and discovering how we can really leverage that as our in our adult lives and then of course you know change the world it's a matter of using those two things exploring creativity leveraging passion and then discovering how you can change the world with those things discovered in your life and how have you been changing the world You know, I try each and every day to change the world just a little bit. A big part of that is my family right now. I've got a young family, two young boys at home, and my responsibility right now is to make sure that they're adventurers for life, and I'm convinced of that. But I also change the world in different ways, some subtle ways. I'm a behind-the-scenes guy in a lot of ways. Uh, You know, I have a background in uh, voiceover work that we'll probably get into a little bit later. So I'm one of those guys that you've probably heard before but don't really see or don't really know and sometimes you can uh, even as a behind the scenes guy you can make some changes in the world that are just a lot of fun I'll give you an example right now I'm working uh, with a client called uh, his name's Bob Berg and he has a book called The Go-Giver which is a beautiful and wonderful business book but it's told like a story now this has sold millions and millions of copies it's been translated into 23 languages it's really just a phenomenal book and it's something that's life-changing but he didn't have a podcast and he needed that direction on how to really craft his story for a podcast and a listening audience and so I get to change the world by helping uh, helping and making sure that messages like his get out and get exposed to a whole new audience cool so can you tell us a little bit about what you do and and how you've arrived at what you're doing right now because I know you've gone through some uh, different incarnations and maybe you can give us a little background too. 
Yeah, most definitely. Incarnations is definitely a good word for it because uh, it's it's always a moving target in a lot of ways. There are some things that have been constant in my life, but ultimately it's it's a matter of shifting and pivoting and being creative, staying creative. And if something's not working or something's not uh, where I want to focus in on, making sure that I can do something else with excellence. So ultimately what happened is I started with a background in ministry. Uh, my dad was a pastor. His dad was a pastor. His dad before him was a pastor. And guess what I became? I became a pastor. And the truth is that it was a terrible fit for me. I love, love storytelling. That's a big part of who I am. I love the opportunity to craft stories and share stories and tell people uh, some amazing stories. And the Bible's full of amazing stories. But I found myself one day sitting on the front porch with one of my uh, parishioners, and they were talking about Aunt Eunice's bunions, and I was about to die out of boredom. (laughs) And... And I just realized I'm not a good pastor. I love to pour into people's lives, but there's some people that are geared that way, that are really good at just helping and and encouraging people that have those type of issues. But I found out that I wasn't one of them. So I actually started a podcast, and my first podcast was terrible, Elizabeth. It was horrible. I mean, absolutely the worst thing that you could possibly listen to. I didn't know what I was doing with audio. I didn't know what I was uh, planning. Didn't really have a clear strategy. And so I, I, I just had to learn. And so that whole year, I began to learn about the whole process of podcasting, gaining uh, better equipment, learning mic technique and different skills. And from that, on a whim one day, I auditioned for an audiobook. And that audiobook actually led to me becoming a full time voiceover artist. Wow, that's and- so amazing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it was an adventure, and it was something that I went from being a terrible, you know, terrible audio person to using my craft of storytelling and finally figuring out the audio side of things. And um, then I became a full-time voiceover artist, but really my first love is telling stories that are my own or helping other people like Bob tell his in an audio format. And so I shifted and pivoted again. And even though voiceover uh, voiceovers are something I do on occasion, really my focus is podcasting now. So when you help people with their own podcasts, I assume that some of what you do is help them with the voice and how they tell their stories. So what kind of tips can you give our listeners about how to do that and what should they look out for? Oh, it's so much fun. This is one of my, this has got to be one of my favorite types of coaching is storyboarding with people. Because the reality is that a lot of people will start a podcast or they'll think about starting a podcast and they'll go, oh, you know, I'll just wing it and see how it goes and just get a feel for it and just, you know, have some fun. Well, I did that and I can tell you one thing. It's terrible. Nobody listens to it. It's not going to be what you need to focus in on. You've got to really hone your craft there and you've got to tell a a story that people want to hear. The other thing that people want to do when they first start podcasting is they want to uh, just interview people as a way out of telling their own story. But what they don't realize is that if they're not engaging the interviewee with their story, then it's the same problem. If you're not telling either your story or the story of the person that you're interviewing, it's not going to go anywhere. People are not going to be engaged. 
So a couple of tips that I uh, love to share with people is basically think of a story arc and then plan that out in your podcast. For example, first thing you want is a character, right? You want a protagonist. You want a hero. The hero of your story isn't always you as the host. If you're interviewing somebody, they're your hero. They're the opportunity. They're the person that you really want to focus on. The hero has a problem. That's any story Anybody that has a great story has a hero has a problem. The hero also has an external problem, which is the worldwide problem, the internal problem, do they have what it takes, and also a philosophical problem, which can be a myriad of things. Once they figure that out, you go into the guide. The guide in your instance, Elizabeth, you're my guide this, uh, this week. You're giving me the direction that I need to help tell my story as the hero of your podcast for this particular episode. And so the guide is a huge and essential part. Every story just about has a guide. If you think of Luke Skywalker, you see Yoda or Obi-Wan Kenobi. If you look at the recent, uh, you know, mocking, uh, Mockingbird uh, Hunger Games, that's the word I was looking for, Katniss has uh, Hamish. And you can go on and on. You have a hero, but you also have a guide. Once that is uh, described, you go to the path. And the path basically is a description of where the hero needs to go to accomplish their goal. And after they discover that, there's going to be a trial and tribulation or success, and then it can go on from there. But those are some of the basic story elements that every single person needs when they're doing anything if they're relating uh, information to an individual. It can, uh, it, it can be in written format. It can be in listening format. It doesn't matter. But they've got to have some basic story structure to really help people thrive in that environment. That is so interesting because I teach creative writing and screenwriting, amongst other things. And the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell and the mythology and all that comes into, into play when, when I'm teaching uh, the structure. And what's funny is that a lot of times, especially with screenwriting, people are are, they bulk at the story structure. They say that, you know, oh, it's too constricting and I, I want to just go out on my own and be completely original. And so I say to them, mm -hmm. I said, well, you know, the structure is like your coffee. You, you can't enjoy your coffee without the cup. And the cup is the structure to hold that coffee. So it's similar to your creativity. You need some kind of a structure to, to hold it and also for people to be able to understand it. Because if you're inventing something that no one's ever seen or heard or, or whatnot, that it's going to be hard for them to relate. Mm, I completely agree. And without a box or without that structure, there's no need for creativity. Mm. And uh, there's, you've got to have that structure to really thrive. And I love that. I love what you're saying, Elizabeth. And, you know, a few years ago, I found myself at work being really stressed out because even though I'm, you know, teaching and I'm doing, you know, creative topics in, in what I'm teaching, you know, after a while, it just becomes a nine to five job. And, you know, there's office politics and, you know, different things that, you know, go on just like in any other kind of conventional job. And, uh, and I found myself getting really, really stressed. And I thought to myself, I need a job. Everybody needs a job. So you know, what can I do to make this work for me? And uh, short of running away screaming into the forest never to return. And what I realized was that I needed to get back to some kind of uh, creative practice on a concerted 
structured basis because that's what I went to school for is screenwriting and creative writing. And, and although I'd always been writing throughout the years, it wasn't my main focus. And I decided a few years ago that, okay, I'm going to really have to put more attention on to my creative life. And once I did that, I really found that the stress levels at work almost disappeared or they just weren't as important, like the those little trials and tribulations. And I wonder if you uh, can relate to that or if you have a similar kind of uh, story to tell around uh, creativity lost and found, maybe. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, creativity can be lost and found in so many ways. And that's why I had to pivot uh, from voiceover work. Uh, the reality was that I was making money at it. I was good at it. I could tell other people's story and I can, um, you know, do the commercials that people needed and so on and so forth. But the reality was that I, I learned that I, I don't like just being that person that repeats something that's already been written. Um, I want the opportunity to explore and to break out of that box a little bit. And so I get that completely because I was at a point that I was getting to be creative in some ways by character voices and by telling these things and doing these things. But at the end of the day, it was somebody else writing the material. And that's when I really learned that I had to find another way that, uh, to regain that creativity in my life. And so that's, that's why I made the pivot back to podcasting, too, is to be able to regain and recapture some of that creativity. And so your new project is Daring and Rye. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, most definitely. Daring and Rye is a passion project of mine. And um, I have some plans for it, some big plans. But basically, it's for, it's a four-specific avatar, which is young men with families that are ready to recapture an adventurous life. Because the truth is that I found myself the other day, well, it's been a, about uh, well, about a year ago now. I found myself that I was I was doing well in business online, and I was doing well as a voiceover artist and a podcaster. But I was bored to tears in my family environment. I was sitting there in front of the TV, fat, bored, and just not really enjoying that element of life. And why else would you do everything else if it wasn't to enjoy and thrive with your family? And I realized that a lot of guys are like that. A lot of men have lost that that spark and passion, that adventurous life that they really desire. And they blame their families instead of being a part of that with their families. And so Daring and Rye is actually me deciding that I'm fed up with it, that I'm going to do something different, that I'm going to tell the story and let people be a part of that journey. And so I, uh, I decided on a whim that I was going to uh, just jumpstart the whole thing by doing something absolutely insane and doing some risk-filled adventures and showing my boys that they could live an adventurous life no matter what they did in life, even if it was sitting in front of a microphone all day or in front of the, uh, the computer in a cubicle. And so I went off to Colorado and actually uh, did a uh, week-filled adventure with uh, just by myself for a little while, then with my wife, and then back with my family. And uh, did crazy things like wrestling an 11-foot alligator, snowmobiling, and a variety of other types of things to kickstart kick that life. But uh, I'm telling you, that kickstarted everything. It made me face my fears. And I came back and was ready to teach my boys to do the same thing. 
And so if you've never wrestled an 11-foot alligator, I'm telling you, <laughs> you haven't lived. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I, I assume, though, that you weren't wrestling the alligator while you were snowmobiling. <laughs> no, no. No, I have yet to do that. <laughs> I wanted to know how they could actually survive there, but apparently the hot springs actually keep the alligators alive during the winters. Mm, that's amazing. So in um, uh, On Daring and Rye, um, you, you have a podcast that people can listen to there, and you mentioned something that one of your sons said to you, and that was kind of the pivot for you there. <laughs> yes. It was. It was the legacy that I was leaving. My uh, oldest, Blaze, actually looked up at me one day and said, Daddy, I, when I grow up, I want a big belly just like you. <laughs> and and just like, that was the legacy. And I just can't have that. I won't have that. I won't have that be their aspirations. So, yeah, that definitely was a kick in the pants for me. <laughs> <laughs> So you said that when you went on this journey to Colorado that you were able to face your fears. What sort of fears did you have around embracing your creativity or, or your need and desire for adventure? Well, what it was is I was facing the fear of can I actually survive and provide for my family and still have a creative and adventurous life? And um, I wasn't convinced of that because, remember, I was, I was behind the mic. I was doing things for other people, but I really wasn't living outside of this little padded room that I had created for myself, literally with a microphone and a computer. <laughs> and um, I had to come to that point that I could get out, explore, discover, and change the way that I did things. And I was convinced of one thing, and I knew that a powerful story – was the way to change my life and also to help people, invite people into that story themselves. And so that's, uh, that's why I knew that if I did that, it would be the kickstart to a, a completely different lifestyle for myself and my journey. Wow, that is so amazing. You know, a lot of people think that creativity in and everyday life are mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. When I talk to people about the, the topics that I teach and uh, they often say, well, you know, it's not really necessary. And, you know, some people aren't really creative and they get by just fine. What do you think about that, that creativity isn't necessary, that for some people it's, it's not something that they need to embrace or worry about? Well, ultimately, it goes back to what I was sharing about kids. I believe that everybody is born with creativity, with a desire to discover and explore and to really uh, leverage those type of things. Uh, the reality is, though, that a lot of adults don't choose creativity as their path. And it's sad to me because ultimately, I think that Every single person on earth needs that risk of creativity in their life to really thrive and be thankful and happy and, and uh, change each and every day. So am I convinced that some people in, uh, in their adulthood live without creativity? Yes, I've seen it firsthand that people, uh, people do. Uh, is it fortunate or is it a good thing? I don't think so at all. I think that they limit themselves in ways that they can't even imagine because they don't have the creativity to have that imagination. <laughs> you know, I think, too, that people 
sometimes don't want to invest the time in their creativity because they don't see an immediate return on investment. You know, it's like if I'm going to you know, spend all this time writing a book or wrestling an alligator or whatever, like <laughs> what's it going to get me, you know, and is it going to pay the bills? Or And I think that oftentimes too, that if it doesn't work the first time that they say, oh, well, it didn't work and they just give up. But I think that the process of creativity is all about falling down and picking yourself up. You know, it's a process and it's something that, that you don't know necessarily necessarily what the specific end result is. You just know that you need to be on that road and, and that journey. What do you think about that? I completely agree. And the reality is that a lot of people think that they need to be pragmatic to make money, that they need to be practical and they need to, to uh, live with uh, very little risk and just try things. But when people try to do that, try to do things that have been done by everybody else and try to, you know, follow the courses the way that they're always supposed to be or the the path that everybody else has set out on, they're going to realize that not only are they uh, still risking a great deal, but they're missing out on what could have been. I'll give you a great example of what, uh, what's going on in my life, Elizabeth. Uh, last year, um, I spent $1,000 on a promotion for Facebook ads. And uh, I don't know if you've spent any money on Facebook ads. I know there can be a great deal of success there. And a lot of people leverage that really, really well. But the truth is that it wasn't a success for me. It wasn't something that I really enjoyed. It wasn't something that I wanted to pivot to. So I had the opportunity now to choose to take that money and do it again because I've got something else, a new program that's coming out. Or I could use what I know is my strength, which is storytelling. And so I decided on the storytelling route. So I took that $1,000, and instead of investing it in a Facebook ad, do you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? No, what are you going to do? Tell me. <laughs> I am going on a last-minute trip to Costa Rica. I'm going to go down there, stay in a hostel, cheap, and do something called a story hunt. And what I'm going to do is each and every day I'm going to have a special word and that special word is going to be something that people have to watch the video, get the word, and then through this series of videos, they're going to get a statement. And if they can actually tell me what that statement is, then they get to be a part of a free workshop to tell their own story. And then we're going to take their story, build it out completely, and help them develop that into a brand. And I'm going to get to do this and tell my story through this whole adventure. And now that's going to cost me about the same as a Facebook ad. But do you think that other people will probably share this adventure that I'm going on and sharing on social media that I'm going on an adventure last minute, going down to a hostel, staying in the middle of the jungle and swimming in the ocean with, you know, the dolphins, those type of things and telling story elements every day that I get broken, you know, I, I get on a bus that's broken down or I can't find my way to the hotel. I don't speak Spanish. I've never <laughs> been there except one time in my life to Costa Rica. There's a lot of elements that could go wrong. But I'm telling you that people will be engaged because it's a story that's live. It's a story that's happening. It's a story that's there and now. And it's a story that they can share and repeat. That is what I'm convinced will actually give me more success than applying that same money to the Facebook ads. 
And that's oh what I'm saying. Oh my goodness. That is amazing. I love that idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I will tell you though, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, if it's going to be a big bust or not, but I will tell you one thing, even if it's the worst, terrible financial decision that I've ever made for my business, I've got another adventure that I've lived and can tell about. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so how can people find out more about this or sign up uh, for the word of the day? And <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not sure when you're going to post this. It may be over, but there'll be some uh, other story hunts that we have. Okay. So basically what they can do is if they look, uh, they can find the information at storypopstudios.com. Uh, I'll have the website up probably by the time you launch this, or they can just go to Facebook and type Story Pop Studios, and we'll have a little fun with it. But, uh, you know, it's just an adventure. It's something different. It's something unique, because I am convinced that at the heart of everything, there is a story that needs to be told, and that's when people are really engaged. Mm -hmm. That's when they come alive. You know, when you tell a story, it, it's so much more effective than just instructions on how to do something. Oh, exactly. And you know what I'm doing, Elizabeth? I'm making sure that nobody knows where I'm going tomorrow. Ah. Um, the first video, I'm actually not telling them where I'm going. So part of the journey is that they're going to experience it uh, firsthand. Uh, they're going to fly with me and then learn that things are in Spanish and so on and try to discover where I'm at. It's like it's going to be a vicarious journey, too. No doubt. And I hope people live it and enjoy it. That is so cool. I love your idea. So this is the part of the show where it's called Creative Roundup, and there are just three short questions and short answers. Um, the first one is, what person inspires you to be creative? You know, my boys inspire me to be creative every day. If there's inspiration that I take, it's watching them discover things for the first time or watching them ask questions that I never would have imagined as an adult. And they inspire me each and every day to become more creative. That is so cool. And and obviously, that legacy question really uh, fired you up to, to learn and change, too. <laughs> Most definitely. Uh, what is your favorite work of art? And this can be any kind of art, a film, poem, song, sculpture, anything. You know, my favorite work of art, it's actually uh, it's a collection of art, but it's by Nick Brandt. Nick Brandt is a photographer, and he uh, exclusively focuses in on Africa and the wildness of Africa. I love his artwork. There's one uh, in particular called Lion in the Storm that is m probably my favorite piece of uh, photography I've ever seen in my life. Well, you lived for a while in Africa, didn't you? I did. I grew up there. And uh, so a, a, heart, a piece of me, uh, my heart is still there in some ways. And what's a favorite quote that inspires you? Favorite quote would be, life is a daring adventure or nothing. Helen Keller. She was a uh, blind and deaf American educator and an amazing adventurer. And uh, I absolutely love that quote from her. Thank you so much, Rye. It's been amazing talking to you. I'm so inspired and I can hardly wait to see uh, about your Costa Rica journey and, uh, and everything else that you're going to be doing. I'm going to be watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rye Taylor. Hey, thank you so much, Elizabeth. It's been such a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you, dear listeners, for joining us today. Wasn't that a fascinating interview with Rye Taylor? I'd love to hear your comments, questions, or suggestions, so feel free to send me an email through my website, www.ownyourcreativity.com. 
Also, if you want a fun and easy way to kickstart your creativity, then join us in the free five-day writing challenge that I'm hosting on Facebook. The deadline to sign up is March 16th at noon. So to register, use the following link, bit.ly forward slash Celtic Challenge, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash C-E-L-T-I-C-C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E. In tomorrow's episode, I'll be talking to Pat Fluelling. I just love saying her last name, Fluelling. She writes nonfiction, science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and has more than a passing knowledge of ghouls. Until next time, own your creativity. Creativity.